morning, Gator Nation. Welcome back to the In All Kinds of Weather forecast for our Florida FSU preview. I am your host, Neil Shulman. You can follow me on Twitter at All Kinds Weather, on Instagram at All Kinds Weather Blog, and on Facebook and YouTube under the name In All Kinds of Weather. My co-host, Chris Yanes, is with me today. You can follow him at Mr. Chris Bits. Other co-host, Dustin Smith, also with us today. You can follow him on Twitter at I-A-K-O-W Dustin. And today for our Florida FSU preview, we've got TJ Pittinger from the Double Fries No Slaw podcast, which covers all things FSU related. He's here to talk Gators and Knowles with us. But before we get to all of that, Quick word about our sponsors slash partners. We are proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, nonprofit organization that works to send underprivileged or deserving Gator fans to the swamp. We collect donations from fans and use them to bring someone to his or her first ever Gator football game. If you believe that you or someone you know is worthy of the honor for 2023, because it's never too early to start thinking ahead, we're already looking at some games we might want to might want to take a win or two. Please email us. GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate to our cause, please go to our website, GatorGoodFoundation.com, and click on the donate button. And while you're on the website, you can also look around and check out what we've done for some of our previous candidates in prior years. Second, we are proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting into your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are three great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. One, it's a veteran-owned business, especially around now. Can't really think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving them business. Two, it's run by a UF alum and big-time Gator fan. Three, it's got the personal stamp of approval from in all kinds of weather, as they did our new logo, they did our new website, they did the website for Gator Good Foundation, they did the new logo for the Gator Collective, they did the new website for the Gator Collective, and they do a lot of the marketing for the Charleston Gator Club. And they've still got more Gator-related projects coming up over the horizon, so if you're listening to this podcast and you need help in any of the aforementioned areas, rest assured Stingray Branding will more than take care of you. To view their services and rates, go to stingraybranding.com. And with our sponsors slash partners taken care of, time to introduce our guest for the Florida FSU Preview Podcast, TJ Pittinger, co-hosts the FSU Podcast, Double Fries, No Slaw. Obviously, big time FSU fan. That's kind of why we have him here because we're Gator fans. He's an FSU fan. He is a fan though, as we pointed out before the season started, we like to mix in our guests, some being beat writers objective, some being fans slash potters uh, getting that little nice mix in there. So TJ is a fan. You may have noticed some of his, uh, his tactics on Twitter <laughs> uh, getting a little, getting a little trolly there, but TJ congrats on what you built. It's been a lot of fun watching you grow your brand as well. Welcome to our show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm uh, you're pulling me away from the craziness that is my kids out in the uh, other room building um, gingerbread houses. So I appreciate you guys more than you know. <laughs> Very nice. So uh, we typically start our pods with guests with something called the lightning rounds, but a lot of the questions don't really apply to you since you are a knoll. So we have to change them a little bit. Two quick questions to get our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. 
Number one, how'd you become an FSU fan? Yeah, so, I mean, growing up in the state of Florida, I mean, you you have to kind of pledge your allegiance to one or the other, right? Like, you know, nobody these days picks Miami anymore. And so you have to kind of pledge your allegiance to one or the other. Um, I was a, I live in Tampa. And so when I was growing up in the 90s, the, you know, and, and kind of when I first started to kind of understand or realize what sports were and going on when I was seven, eight, nine years old, um, we had Derek Brooks and we had work done. And then, in, you know, obviously in 2002, we won with a few Knowles on the team. Um, a lot of my aunts and uncles that I really, really liked were were big FSU fans. And there were definitely some Gator fans in the family, but just kind of a mix of you know, the, the pros that I really liked being from Florida state, mostly the, um, family ties. And I, you know, I don't mean to offend anybody that's listening to this, but I mean, as a kid, I, I did like the colors more. I, I liked the, the way that the garden gold looked. And so, you know, when you're seven or eight, those things mean a lot to you, like colors of a team and who your aunt and uncle cheer for. And, uh, you know, what, what, what school your pros went to. So, um, it ended up being an okay decision. Florida State's been okay since then, had some highs and lows, but yeah, that's kind of how it all went down. Nice, nice. Yeah, we'll talk about those highs and lows in a second because I think they do have more to do with this year's game than it, it may appear on the surface. But uh, second question, and it, this is going to apply for both Florida and FSU, what are, and I, I ask you to do your best to just pretend to like Florida's colors for a second. What is your favorite Jersey color combo for both the Gators and the Knowles? What do you think the cleanest look is? UF saw whites are great. I mean, that's not even a question. I, you know, and not to be so cliche as to go away from, you know, the traditional blue and orange, but the all white uniforms that UF pulls out. Um, I mean, every great once in a while, right? Like you, you really never get to see them unless it's a recruiting visit or whatever, but I mean, those are so sharp and it, you know, not even, not even a question. I like anything that's retro as well. Like when you wear the old helmets that just have the circle and the number, like, so some of the, or like the circle and the, like that, those are cool too. Um, you know, I like anything that's kind of a retro feel to it, you know, whether it's, you know, UF or Miami or, or anyone, I, I like the, the old school type stuff. Uh, FSU, sorry, forgot that one. Uh, I, I don't know. I liked our all white uniforms that we wore this year. I thought they were really, really sharp up at Louisville. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm a sucker for the traditional. So, you know, uh, we'll, probably what we'll wear on Friday night, the garnet tops, um, gold pants, and gold helmets. You just don't want to say that you like anything with the color orange or with the color blue. I get it. I'd say, though, if – okay, so if I have to pick a non-all-white UF uniform, the – I, as much as I don't like orange and blue, I think the orange, like anything with the orange jersey, does look good because they do like they just stand out so much more. So I, I do think those are dope. I will give it to them. All right, fair enough. I think that we can all agree, or at least you and I can agree, TJ, that we are we like the traditional uniforms more than than anything else. So that's probably where our uh, how quick, far along we'll agree, and then everything else will will follow after that. But. Uh, <laughs> So getting into a little bit of the questions now tonight, though, let's talk about Florida State program. Mike Norvell certainly started slow. You know, it was a COVID year. So, you know, kind of a, kind of an asterisk on that three and six, but then picked it up, won five games last year. And then this year has definitely started to really get it going with an eight and three record. Um, what is the what is the vibe right now in Tallahassee with that change now going into year three? And then what do you all think the outlook and expectations are going to years four and five? 
Yeah. So I think starting this year, it was very, all right, you got to show me something, right? We ended 2021 with some positivity in winning five of the last eight games. The three losses came um, as an underdog three times and they played fairly well in, in each of those games. Um, they lost to Clemson on kind of a fluky finish, but they led with just a couple minutes to go. And then um, they played NC State with half their team out. Jordan Travis didn't play when they were sick. And then they lost to Florida by three to end the year. But underdog in all three games, and they won a couple of games as an underdog to get to five and three to finish the year after a pretty horrific start. Um, so this year was like, okay, well, you you know, you finished year, last year well. Uh, or above average, you need to show us that again, right? You need to show us that that wasn't just a fluke. And um, Florida State did that, right? Like they started 4-0. They lost a few games where they were pretty banged up and played some good teams in the middle of the year, and then they haven't lost since. And so the optimism has certainly grown. It certainly looks like the team, uh, even in their losses, plays really, really well together. The you know e Even the losses have been close and to good teams. And so I think the optimism is there as far as expectations for year four and five Norvell's done a really, really good job of working through the portal to put some pretty big band-aids on what, uh, what the, the roster has been. I mean, I think that, you know, it, it's not really shocking to anybody that, you know, I think that Florida state can consistently be one of the top three ish programs in the ACC. And if you can do that, you should win eight to 10 games every year. Like the ACC is just not, you know, that, that's if, if they can get back to where they're just beating all the teams that they're supposed to beat, right? Not losing to the Wake Forests and the Boston Colleges and the Louisvilles of the world anymore. Even if you drop games to Miami or Clemson, you know, that which are which are pretty good programs, then, you know, you, you're still winning eight, nine, ten games, right? And so that's where I feel like, you know, that has to be the floor from now on. You, you can't have any more six, seven win seasons, you know, eight or nine has to be kind of what the bottom of the floor is and recruiting has to pick up. And I think it will. Florida State has a five-star committed right now in Hakeem Williams. They've got a four-star that in Brock Glenn that they just flipped from Ohio State. They didn't kind of give up there. And so the the recruiting has to pick up right now. Florida State has with the commitments and I don't know, probably somewhere around a 16th, 17th ranked class. They probably need to push that up into the top 15 this year. And then next year they need to be in the top 10. Um, or else I, I think they've just fallen too far behind at that point. So recruiting get a little bit better, the floor being raised a little bit, right, to where you're winning eight, nine, ten games consistently. Uh, I think people will be pretty happy with that considering what the last five years have been. Yeah, no, I think it's a pretty fair assessment. And and it's funny you mentioned recruiting because that was that leads me to my next question. I was gonna ask about uh the recent flip just in the last few hours here of Brock Lynn from Ohio State. Um, talk, I guess, a little bit about him, maybe, and what that means for the class, because it, it is important to have a quarterback committed in the class. We certainly, you know, found that out through the summer and then obviously, you know, going through our own flip recently with Rashada. You know, what do you think that that commitment stacks up in the class? Is he kind of an instant impact guy? Um, and then what the last part of the recruiting question would be, how does he then stack up versus guys like Mario Cristobal, Billy Napier and other schools that come in and try to poach talent from the state of Florida. Yeah. So to answer your question on Glenn, I mean, I think Glenn's a, a really good commit. And I think part of, you know, Florida state was really, really close on him this summer. And I think why he committed to Ohio state was be just because of how um, his family, what I've been told was his family was pretty concerned 
uh, about Mike Norvell's longevity here, right? If if things would have gone off the rails uh, and and say you don't block an extra point against LSU and then say you're not able to win with a backup on the road, you're staring 0-2 in the face. And uh, I'm sorry, 1-2. and I guess you played the Duquesne game early. But you're staring 1-2 and in the face, and then if you take that three-game skid in October that Florida State took – Man, you're you're looking at man. At that point, we would have been what like three and five, and who knows if Norvell would have even been here, right? I'm sure the Knowles wouldn't have won their last four games. So, I think that's kind of what kept Glenn from committing back when he was crystal ball to Florida State and went on three, had him at like 98 percent to commit here. He ends up going to Ohio State, uh, and now that Mike Norvell has won a few games, and it looks like hey, he's probably going to be here unless something crazy happens next year and they go five and seven or four and eight or something. He's probably going to be here for a few years. Um, I think that helps. I think bigger picture that also helps. I, I think that, you know, mostly, you know, somewhat his his problem because he's been the coach. Uh, I think that that negative recruiting against Norvell's longevity has been something that's kind of kept a couple of kids away and something that may end up, you know, something that Florida State and its staff can go back and say, like, hey, look, no, we, we've got everything on control we we are moving in the right direction. You you know we're going to be here in two three years when when your kids looking to play or, or whatever the situation is. Uh, overall, I mean, how's he stack up against Billy Napier, Mario Cristobal? I, I don't know. I mean, obviously right now both those coaches are recruiting uh, better than he is. You know, Mario's always been a really really good recruiter, and Billy's done a good job too. I think when you're at places like Florida State, Florida, and Miami, if you're winning and you're taking care of business, recruiting. Almost, you almost have to be a really bad recruiter to not recruit well, right? Like you, you really. I mean, you guys. I mean, essentially ran Mullen out of town for you know consistently bringing in like top eight to twelve classes, right? And so, you know, you you almost have to, and you almost have to like put no effort forth at all. And if you're at Florida State and you're winning anywhere from eight to twelve games, you're going to recruit a top twelve ish class, right? And so, uh, I think that that is the standard and where he needs to be. Now, I, I think that this year. Uh, a lot of stuff this year was kind of cooked. I think the class is ceiling. We even kind of said in the offseason was probably around 15 just because you didn't have the traction with the high-level recruits that you should have. And you can only flip so many of those guys down the stretch, right? And Florida State's going up against and fighting teams like Ohio State and Clemson and Alabama and, and new coaches like Mario and Billy. And I, I think it's really hard for Florida State this year to say, okay, well, there should be an immediate turnaround um, in recruiting. And and Florida State, you know, has, has got eight wins. They might get nine this weekend and they might get 10 in a bowl game. Okay, well, then they should immediately just sign a top 10 class. And I think the really, you know, relationships still somewhat matter. And it's not like, oh, you won three games in a row. Like, all right, well, everyone's going to flip to you, right? Like it, it's a process and it takes time. But I do think, you know, big picture, if the results look the same next year, right? And it's not the the new coach excitement with Billy and and Mario, which they've done a great job of capitalizing on, you know, no slights to them at all. If, if it gets to next year and Norvell's winning eight, nine, 10 games somewhere in there, and he still can't recruit above a top 15 class, then I think it's a serious conversation with like, Hey man, you just suck at recruiting, right? <laughs> like you just, you just got to get better than, than what you're doing. And so I, I do think that next year is kind of a, all right, you, we gave you the, we gave you the year last year to fix it on the field. Now you've got to do it off the field and, and recruit really well too. And all of this said, sorry, I know this is a long-winded answer, but really, really high overarching um, response on this too. I know that we get really, really ate up with the um, recruiting rankings. And I do think that building through the 
um, high school ranks and through recruiting is still way, way more important than the transfer portal. But I do also think that like we get a little too ate up with the specific class rankings um, just because Florida State strategy has very much been, and I think more teams are going to go to this instead of taking those, you know, borderline three, four stars um, that, you know, are projects and probably aren't going to play for the first two, two and a half years. Anyway, Florida state's just been using those spots on transfers and just saying like, Hey, give me guys that have already been in, you know, college locker rooms and weight rooms for two years, getting bigger and we'll play those guys. Right. And and we'll kind of make them more instant impact. And you just don't get those same results from those. I, I do think Florida state could probably, you know, w- say we finish with a top 15 class right now. I think they could take like eight class stuffers just to inflate their class grade up to like 12. But I, you know, how much does that really, you know, would you rather do that or would you rather go get like, eight impact transfers or whatever, which they have done really, really well in the, in the portal. So I, you know, fans will complain about rankings at times and you have to kind of like consider the big picture that the transfer portal kind of makes your specific class ranking. Like if you're at 14, I'm not losing any sleep that we didn't take nine more guys to bump us up to 11. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I think quality over quantity. Chris, I think we had the conversation last pod specifically about the quarterback position, about what Florida is going to do there. We didn't talk about the whole roster, but I think that is going to be Florida's strategy with the QB position moving forward. So, all right, on to this year's team. Uh, FSU's eight and three, as you mentioned, three losses in a row that they they probably could have won. I, I know Clemson was dominating that game, but FSU did have a chance late. FSU also won a few games earlier this year that you also mentioned like LSU and Louisville, that could have been a one and two start. And as you mentioned, the wheels could have kind of come off there, but they didn't. So famous line from Bill Parcells is you are what your record says you are, but to you, does this FSU team look like an eight and three team? Does it look like a seven and four team? Does it look like a nine and two team? I mean, how do you think this team really is in relation to what its record says it is? Yeah, maybe a game better, right? I thought they blew the NC State game, um, but you're right. They, they, you know, and, I, and that's what I've tried to tell our fans, and what I've tried to say to people in, in trying to be somewhat reasonable is sometimes you're going to win games you um, should have lost, and sometimes you're going to lose games you should have won, and that's just football, right? It's it's just not predictable. It's it's really sports in general, and if you if if the you know if if we'd uh, done this whole season over, right? And Florida State loses the game on the road at Louisville when their starting quarterback was out and their best two, t- two defensive linemen and their left tackle and their best linebacker. If we just gone and lost that game by like three, right? No, who would have been that upset that we lost that game? You'd have probably just said like, ah, it just is what it is. You lose your starting quarterback and all those other guys and you lose the game. Um, and then if you'd have beat NC State, held on there where you should have you'd be eight and three here right like so it's like we get so ate up about that you know at the same time florida state did miss a massive opportunity to to get to nine and two and uh and already have that kind of in the bag by not beating nc state uh they'd probably be looking at pretty close to a new year's six pole if uh and and having a really good shot right like they'd probably be around the top 10 right now if if they had won that and so yeah i mean they missed an opportunity i I think the advanced analytics will tell you that florida state's i mean they're they're only one of three teams in the country that have um a you know a top 20 offense and defense and so i i think that i don't know they're maybe slightly better than 16th in the country which is where the ap voted them yesterday maybe they're like 12 or 13 but I mean, you know, you look at you look at the rankings right now, and there's probably, I don't know, two or three teams that I might take Florida State up against on a neutral field. 
I also think that Florida State is playing as well right now. I'm not, you know, so let me let me preface it. They're playing as well right now as anybody in the country. I don't think they're as good as anyone in the country, but they're playing as well as anybody is right now. I mean, I think Georgia would take Florida State to the to the woodshed, right? You know, but if Georgia played like they did against Kentucky and Florida State played like they did, you know, for the last four weeks, then you know, they probably wouldn't. So yeah, I, I think that they're playing a little better than an eight and three record. Um, but like you said, you are what your record is they're probably ranked about right, maybe a little under, you know, but I don't know. That's probably splitting hairs even. TJ, thanks for coming on. I wanted to ask you about the quarterback, Jordan Travis. I've been incredibly impressed with this play so far this year, throwing the ball for over 2,500 yards, 21 touchdowns, and only four interceptions. He's been incredibly efficient. What makes him so efficient and so good? I think it's his work. I hate to be cliche. I hate to give like an answer like that on here, but he literally listened to people say that he was a running back for years and years and years and that he couldn't throw and that he was a run, maybe not a running back, but that he was a run first guy. And, you know, he could hit a, he could hit a, a, a pass here and there, but just wasn't going to be able to carry you like that. And I mean, he, he just put in the work and, and absolutely busted his tail um, he's a phenomenal athlete, right? Like he's, you know, anytime he's on the field, I mean, just kind of like UF's quarterback, he is certainly uh, the one of the most dynamic players on the field every time he, he touches the grass. And so I, I think that, you know, phenomenal athletes, if they apply themselves and they work, they can get to anywhere they want to get to. I also think, you know, not only his work and, and his development, I mean, Mike Norvell's done a phenomenal job with him. And uh, has really developed him well. Mike Norvell basically put all of his eggs in that basket, right? They didn't, you know, they ha- they didn't go after a transfer quarterback after the last season. They did get uh, McKenzie Milton after the 2020 year, but started Travis, and that was the guy he was riding with. Um, it kind of turns out that they brought in Milton to kind of push Travis a little bit because they did think he could be that starter, and so. I don't know. I think between Norvell's development, which he's done a very good job with Jordan and Jordan's effort, you know, and and work that he's put in, um, it's been it's been pretty impressive. And, and you're right; he's one of the most efficient. I mean, he grades out really, really well. He's like top five in PFF, you know, in the country, uh, which is ridiculous and and something I don't think any Florida State fans really thought that they might get out of uh, Jordan Travis. So it's been pretty pretty impressive to watch, and he hasn't even really had to use his legs very much at all this year. Yeah, well, I was going to say that's probably because FSU has a running game that has eclipsed 200 yards in six games in a row. So when you do that, you kind of don't need a quarterback that can run a ton. I mean, you know, if there's a there's a busted pocket and he has no choice or he sees his receivers are covered and there's a there's a there's a runway right there for him. Sure. But he doesn't need to do that as much because of his running game, which. I mean, it's it's just been it's been dominant. I mean, this this stat of six games in a row rushing for two hundred plus yards includes two of those three games that you guys lost this year, uh, which came to ranked teams or at least NC State was ranked at the time. Are they? I don't even know if they still are, but they they were a top twenty team at the time. And Clemson is is still Clemson with no shortage of five stars littered across its roster. So that's an impressive stat when you would when you figure that Clemson. And Dabo Sweeney's team are included in it. So 
Tell us a little bit more about how FSU has been able to do that. I mean, it's obviously a combination of the offensive line and the running backs, but how, I mean, how, how has that happened? Because the offensive line was so bad over the last couple of years. So how has it gotten that much better this quickly? Yeah. So I think some of it is Florida state brought in 10 between the recruiting class and transfers this year. They brought in 10 offensive linemen, um, so I think it's a, a problem you just kind of throw numbers at and, you know, some, half of these guys got to work out and if only 40% work out, then we still got four guys that were pretty good. Um, some of it's just development as well. I mean, there are three starters on the line right now that started the last two years. They shouldn't have started the last two years. Uh, well, you know, one of them shouldn't have, and then another one shouldn't have started two years ago, but uh, I think that de the development there, the guys getting to be able to play together, you've got an absolute anchor in Dylan Gibbons who transferred in from Notre Dame. He's on his second year right now. They picked up some other transfers that unfortunately got injured, but I think really, really pushed other guys to have to compete. And I think that the fact that some of those other transfers, they got Bless Harris from um, down in South Florida. They got um, Caden Lyles from Wisconsin. I don't know if either of those guys were actually, oh no, Bless would have. Yeah. So Bless probably would have won the starting job. I'm not sure if Caden would have, but they pushed those guys in front of them. They pushed the guys that are playing in those positions now. And, you know, the the room just wasn't very deep uh, for the last few years. And so there'd be, you know, one or two injuries would just tank the room. They've stayed relatively healthy this year. They have their bet, you know, they have the starting lineup from um, the Duquesne game, the LSU game in there now. So that's been good. The health, the, the injury, Free play has been the biggest thing, but then just, you know, they're deeper. They've thrown more numbers at it. The level of play has continued to increase year over year with Alex Atkins, who's up for the Broyles. Saw he's a, a top 10, you know, assistant in college football right now. And so, yeah, all of those things mixed together. The offensive line is no longer a weakness. I mean, it, it truly is a strength. So, TJ, I wanted to ask you to sort of describe FSU's offensive scheme. What do they do? that I know we spoke about Travis, but what does the offense do that's so effective? Yeah, so I believe against Miami, they ran the counter 36 times out of 70 plays. That number could be wrong. I'm actually looking it up right now just to see if I got it wrong, but they ran it a ton. And so they don't do anything crazy. Um, Norvell does a really good job of... Um, Let's see, 32 times out of 70 snaps. So a little little off with my remembering there. But um, yeah, Norvell doesn't do anything really, really crazy. They get in the power offense and they run the counter and they're really good at it. They also do a really good job of setting up plays for later. I don't know if you guys follow Mike Glennon on Twitter, but he does a phenomenal job. And he's actually done that week over week for, for Florida State and kind of just shown, hey, here's how they'll run these two concepts all night. And then they'll put one little wrinkle in it and have it be, you know, like an RPO and they find a tight end running wide open down the middle for a touchdown. Right. Like, and so Norvell does a really, really good job of disguising things, running the counter, running things out of his base sets. He's big on quick passes and getting the ball out and letting playmakers make plays. Right. If, if you, if we have an unbalanced, you know, wide receiver stack to one side of the field or the other and you know, one of the DBs is playing off. Jordan will just audible that thing quickly and throw it out and let somebody go, you know, as long as a wide receiver doesn't miss a block, 
he'll take those seven yards every single time. And so they've done a really good job of just getting playmakers the ball in space, letting them make plays. Um, the wide receivers have gone from the worst in the conference to maybe top two, right? I, you know, I'm trying to think of who else has really, really good standout wide receivers. I mean, you always think of Clemson, but they're even down a little bit this year. Wake Forest, maybe. Some, yeah, Wake Forest has some really good wide receivers. And so, I, you know, they're they're top three-ish in the conference, maybe top four, but from 14th, that's, you know, a, a pretty big jump. So, yeah, uh, you know, his his stuff is pretty basic. It, nothing is really like, oh, man, tricks and gadgets and all this stuff. Like I said, that if, if something works, he just keeps going back to it. And like I said, 32 times running the same play against Miami uh, is was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. So I'll switch gears to the, the defensive side of the ball. Uh, for Florida State, Florida, you know, while they have certainly, you know, had their struggles uh, in with consistency of the offense, they're still an offense that is capable of a lot of explosive plays. They're one of the best running teams in the country. Their offensive line also, I think a lot of us would consider their strength of their team, too. I think it's safe to say this might be the most uh, the toughest matchup that this team has seen probably since the Clemson game. So what do you think the defense is going to have to do to devise a scheme in order to to, to stop Florida's run game um, and to limit their big plays? Yeah, so Florida State's defense has been, you know, fairly good this year. FPI has them at uh, 32. Some of the other efficiencies, FEI has them in the top 20. Um, and different analytics have them at different places, but they're, you know, F, F, the S&P plus is the lowest on them right now. I'm sorry, FPI is the lowest on them right now. So, yeah, they've been really good and they've been really efficient. I think this weekend, you know, not to take credit away from some of the great running backs that are at, you know, UF, I'm impressed every single week with ETN and, you know, what Harold's, what some of those guys are able to do. It, it, to me, it really comes down to what Anthony Richardson is able to do in this game. I think Florida State's done a really good job against some good rushing attacks. They really shut down Clemson. They really shut down uh, Wake Forest on the ground, and they made those teams beat them through the air. And, you know, DJ Ungalele had his best passing game of the year against Florida State, and so it it worked. But to me, that's that's what Florida State's focus has to be. It's, it's kind of limit that rushing attack. Um, Florida State has looked considerably better with Fabian Lovett back in, who's your best defensive lineman, um, clogging up the middle. When he was out, you had a lot of double teams on Robert Cooper and uh, our backups to Favo just really weren't good enough. And so Favo clogging up the middle has done really, I mean, just wonders for the rushing defense. Um, so I think this weekend, what it comes down to is is limiting, you know, the best player on the field as much as you can. I do think Florida State's gotten some practice uh, to be able to try and do that. First of all, they obviously go up a, against a quarterback in practice every day that can use his legs pretty well. Um, they've also played a, a bunch of running quarterbacks. They played, you know, uh, Jaden Daniels week uh, one. They played Malik Cunningham the week after that. They saw DJ Ungalele, Ungle, uh, Ui Ungale, Sheesh. Uh, they saw DJU at uh, Clemson. Um, and, and so they've seen some running quarterbacks. Obviously, I think AR is a little more dynamic than any of those guys with his legs. But I do think it helps that they've been able to see some similar styles to that throughout the year. Um I mean, as far as what they should, you know, I don't know if you want me to go as far as this, but as far as what they should do, I think they should bring Jamie Robinson down uh, instead of having a linebacker spy. Um, uh, Anthony, I think they should bring uh, their safety down. Jamie Robinson, who uh, has just kind of been all all ACC great player this year. I mean, he's the guy that if you watch the Miami game, just kind of threw the Miami running back on the ground pretty 
pretty disrespectfully. Uh, I think that should be the guy that kind of um, is matched up with Anthony Richardson. And then, you know, if, if AR can beat you with his arm down the field because you're kind of pulling a safety up, then, then so be it. But don't let that kid go for 200 with his legs. Yeah, just make the guy beat you with the thing that he is the least good at is, I guess, the strategy. Uh, definitely sure. definitely a better runner than he is a thrower, at least in terms of consistency. Um, but until until Vanderbilt, Van, I mean, the Vanderbilt game kind of ruined this question, but until the Vanderbilt game, Florida's offensive line had been a big strength for Florida, and then they, they played awful in that one game. But that's one awful performance against 10 really good ones, so – I'll be willing to call it an, an anomaly here, and I'll just call it a fluke. But just like you guys did last year, you went portal, and you got a game record on your defensive line in Jarrett Verse. Uh, tell me a little bit more about him. Is is he is he equivalent to a Jermaine Johnson, you think? And, and what kind of problems do you think that he presents for the Florida offensive line? Yeah, I mean, he. I would not say that he's as good as Jermaine Johnson. But that might be a little disrespectful to him, and he might, you know, continue to try and prove me wrong. He's been phenomenal. He leads the con- he leads the conference in tackles for losses. He, I think, he averages more than one a game, um, and, and I think he also leads the conference in sacks. So he's pretty fantastic. He has been great this year. Um, he's getting some first round projected graph, you know, draft grades. I still think Jermaine was a little better. Um, as far as pound for pound, but I, I think, you know, in an edge rushing class, that's not as deep. It, it kind of makes sense that he's getting some first round grades and some first round mocks. Um, I don't know if he'll go into the first round kind of like Jermaine did or early, early, um, second round. But, uh, I think that, uh, you know, Jared is really good. Um, he absolutely is relentless. Um, his motor is pretty ridiculous and, He's just made plays all year, Um, you know, from the first game to the last. He has just gotten in and mixed things up, and he was really good against LSU. He was really, really good against um, Louisville before he got hurt. He's been great since he's been back. He missed a game and a half or so due to injury. Um, But, yeah, he is just an absolute monster and, uh, you know, everything you want in an edge rusher, you know, quick, really strong, you know, if, if you if you if you aren't up out of your stance, ready to go and probably chipping him with a with a back or just putting a full on double team, uh, if you're just the least bit slow out of a out of a stance, then, he, you know, he's he's getting to Anthony Richardson. I don't know how many sacks we're going to get. I, I He's a hard guy to bring down, but getting getting close to him at least. <laughs> so, TJ, Anthony Richardson has certainly been hit or miss all season for the Florida Gators. And of course, I mean, you spoke about it earlier. He definitely can run the ball, certainly elite talent there. How afraid do you think FSU fans should be concerning Anthony Richardson? In fact, let me personalize it. How afraid are you that Anthony Richardson could completely turn this game around? Yeah, I mean, I think he's the biggest X factor in the game, right? I I don't even think that's close. I think that, you know, Florida State has shown – um, different ways that they can win. Um, and Jordan doesn't have to go out and be great. I think against Miami, he threw 12 passes. Um, so I think that, uh, yeah, Jordan Travis has been great this year, but, you know, Jordan Travis doesn't necessarily have to be for um, Florida State to win the game, right? He could have an okay game. And if we run for 250 yards, then, you know, 
will probably be in pretty good shape. Anthony Richardson is, I mean, to me, if he doesn't play well, I don't really see a path to Florida winning, right? And so, yeah, I think that he is kind of where it where it starts and ends. Um, you know, kind of expect this to be pretty high scoring, and I think he needs to do a lot. And yeah, it, it's worrisome because I've seen. You know, as inconsistent as he's been, I've seen every highlight, right? Like I've seen him drop dimes against LSU last year. I've seen him make great pa- – I mean, he made great passes in the Vandy game last week, and he's made great passes that, you know, some of his receivers have, have kind of let him down and dropped. And, you know, when he gets going – the the long touchdown rush against AM, like that was one of the most mind-blowing plays of the year to me because he didn't even look like he was running fast. He looked like he was just – out there jogging and meanwhile he's 80 yards later and he's in the end zone and so yeah i mean he's definitely worrisome um i certainly do think that you know florida state has done a good job defensively of um you know limiting other teams best players at times i know that that's a little bit different when it is the quarterback but they did a really good job of shutting down lsu's you know kind of stud wide receiver they did a good job of shutting down uh, other teams best players at times and so I think it it makes the job a little more, I don't know if simple is the right word, but a little more straightforward, right? Hey guys, we we gotta stop this guy. Um, and that's no slight, you know, slight to any of Florida's other um talented players. You know, we talked about how good the running back room is and stuff, but yeah, I think it kind of makes the game pretty straightforward, you know, stop this guy and don't let him beat you, right? It's kind of the Kobe strategy. Let let everybody else hit all the shots. Well, last question before we head over to to our to our um, our verdict. Kind of looking at Billy Napier um, from a rival's perspective, I'm curious to know like one thing that you think he's done really well, and then one thing as a rival you're happy he did because it was something you in your mind don't think was done well. Hmm. Yeah. So I think organizationally he's very good, right? I think that he has done a great job of demanding from Florida that he gets what he needs to, to run a successful program. Right. And it's on him to fill that staff out properly. It's on him to kind of get all those support positions and those um, I mean, coordinator positions and things. It's on him to get it right. But he did a good job of kind of stepping in at UF and saying like, Hey, here's what I need to win. If you're going to bring me in here, I'm going to need this. Right. And Florida said, okay, yeah, like we'll, you know, we'll up the budget. We'll up the, we'll up this, we'll up that. And we'll, we'll, we'll get after it. Right. We'll give you the tools needed. Um, it kind of takes away some excuses, right? You know, Napier ain't going to be able to say in three years if it doesn't work out like, hey, man, you you didn't give me what I needed to win because you have certainly been over backwards and did did what they needed there. So I, I think Napier does a great job organizationally. He does a great job building staffs. And, you know, I think he'll do a really good job. It's early, but you can already kind of see some of this stuff happening. But I think he'll do a good job instilling culture and, and building some of that stuff, too. Um, to where he'll he'll do a good job. He's obviously, you know, the second part of that, he's done a great job on the recruiting trail so far. I know there's been some, you know, complaints about a guy here or a guy there, but I think he's done a pretty good job on the recruiting trail. And and I think, you know, it needs to improve. Like it needs to continue to increase. And if you want to compete with the, you know, the Georges and the Bamas of the world, it, it needs to go up. But I, I do think he's done a really good job there. Um, in spite of the, in spite of the record, in spite of what, you know, is either going to be a six and five or, or six and six or seven and five record. Um, uh, I think some, I mean, I can answer the the negative part. It's so early to tell for most of that stuff. I think there's been some in-game stuff that you're kind of like, Hey man, the decision-making just feels weird, right? Where things will be working really well and he'll go to something else or, you know, they'll be running the ball well. And he goes to some, some passing stuff or, you know, two point stuff or whatever, you know, he's, you know, he's big on analytics and stuff. Some of that seems a little young, but other than that, I mean, it's early, so it's hard to pick out like a, a ton of quabbles or beefs with anything that Napier's done so far. All right, so 
TJ, we conclude every pregame pod with a segment that we call The Verdict. This is where we uh, we, we play College Game Day and or SEC Nation, which I think is better personally. But anyway, we, we play the role of, you know, talking heads on TV, making our picks and making our predictions. So we start with our keys to the game, and then we give our percent chance we think that Florida has to win. You know, being an FSU guy, you can say, you know, what chance you think FSU has to win. We'll subtract it from 100 and well, we'll have our percentage for Florida. Um, but so we'll do keys to the game. We'll do our percent chance to win. And then we will give our score predictions. So you are the guest. We will start with you. What is a key for each team to win the game on Friday night? Yeah, Florida State has to not piss down their leg again um, like they did last year, right? I think that the game was relatively close and way too many turnovers. I know you guys had the turnovers too, but you guys' turnovers were, you know, like when you were driving the field and long, you know, Florida State's were just detrimental to to success. And uh, I gave Florida really good field position a couple of times. And, you know, the 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 one that obviously sticks out the most is the, the muffed punt. I was kind of hoping FSU would muff a punt. Um, this weekend against Louisiana because they haven't yet this year. I feel like that's a really big streak to have going into the uh, Florida game. Uh, Micah Pittman's done a great job back there. Um, so I was kind of hoping they would muffle one this week. But, yeah, I can't, can't turn the ball over. Like, I think Florida State, you know, not to give away, like, anything that I'll kind of go into later, but I think Florida State is the better team. Um, I think most of the time the better team in college football wins if they don't, lose in the turnover battle or in the special teams battle. And so I think that that's where Florida state needs to make sure that everything is cleaned up. They're not muffin punts. They're not throwing bad interceptions. They're not loose with the ball. Um, That's, you know, to me, that's a big key is don't, don't, you know, supposedly you're better play like it. Yeah. Uh, uh, TJ. Do you want one for Florida too? Did I forget that sign? Oh yeah. Go for it. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Richardson has to pass the ball with some with some consistency. Right? I I just do not foresee a scenario where Florida is able to run this thing to a win and go for you know two hundred by the backs and a hundred by AR and win the thing. Like, I mean, if I'm wrong, you guys can get me back on here next week and we can talk about it. But I don't see that. I, I think that he's going to need to throw the ball. And Florida State's weakness this year has been in the secondary, and so you know I, I wouldn't say that. It's like a glaring problem or, you know, I'm really, you know, hate our secondary or anything like that. But if there was a place that you could kind of take advantage of Florida State, it would be in the secondary. And so I think he's going to have to, I mean, he's going to have to throw for 200 yards, 220 yards or something just to kind of mix it just a little bit or or maybe even a little bit more. But he's got to be consistent throwing the ball. Yeah, no, I think that I think that sums it up pretty good. I mean, I I think we learned the hard way on poorly timed turnovers and special teams this past weekend in Nashville. Because I mean, you could pretty much sum up that game with with the muff punt for a touchdown and the freak interception that resulted in another touchdown in the next play. And you know, those two certainly cost us this past weekend. The I think my key to the game for for Florida is going to be to get back into. Uh, just get AR comfortable out there, get him a, a quick start. I think he, he sometimes has these really slow starts where he, you know, isn't maybe running the football or he just doesn't look comfortable out there in the offense and starts slow. And then he might pick it up later in the game, but then it's too late. And I think this is a game where Florida can't afford to do that. They have to have a quick start. They have to be in this game from the get go. I think he needs to have a similar stat line like he had against Vanderbilt against Tennessee, but the defense is going to have to also play really well too. They're going to have to get their, 
their turnovers. They're going to have to limit Travis's big plays uh, through the air. So I would say for, for Florida, it's limit the big play against uh, Travis and the offense. And then for, for us, we need to start, we need to get Anthony just comfortable early in the game, fast starts. Um, for Florida State, I would say it's if you can control the clock and, and run the ball effectively like you have this season, then I think it's going to be game over for Florida because anytime a team has been able to control the clock very well against us, they have they've they've put us down. And that that happened a little bit this past weekend. Uh certainly Georgia was able to do that against us. So it's when our defense can't get off the field. And, you know, we we've had a we had a couple of games where, you know, we had six consecutive or seven consecutive uh, scoreless quarters, but that all came to an end this past weekend. So we have to get back to that. And, and if FSU can can keep our defense on the field, then it's going to be a long day in Tallahassee. So I've been echoing the same sentiment the entire season. Florida has to be able to run the ball. Now, I know it wasn't part of the postgame pod for the Vanderbilt game, but let me abridge my thoughts. Florida did not run the ball effectively. Therefore, Florida lost the game. And if Florida does not run the ball effectively against Florida State, who is, in my opinion, a significantly better team than Vanderbilt, Florida is going to lose the game. Florida can't just run the ball, but Anthony Richardson has to run the ball. I'm tired of seeing Florida try to get cute in the run game. We need to do what's led to success in previous games. Anthony Richardson has to run the read option and he has to keep the ball when it's obvious that he needs to do that. Now, something that I've been doing for the last few weeks is the padlock stat. Of course, major credit to Josh Pate, who does it on his podcast. My padlock stat for this game is going to be the same padlock stat that it's been since the Texas A&M game. And I've been correct the last three games with this padlock stat. That's, of course, 210 rushing yards. So far this season, when Florida runs the ball for more than 210 yards, they win the game without exception. And every game they've run for less than 210 yards, they've lost. So this worked last week against Vanderbilt, and I believe it's going to work again this week against FSU. If Florida is going to win the game, the rushing yardage number will tell you the story. you have a key for FSU? Well, I think for FSU, they have to run the ball well. I think whichever team runs the ball more effectively will win the game. And to FSU's credit, my biggest concern for Florida is linebacker, especially with Ventral Miller out. I'm deeply concerned about that matchup, Florida being able to run the ball versus FSU being able to run the ball. Yeah, so that that talking point right there is something you're going to hear again in a, in a few minutes. But we're about to do our percent chance we think Florida has to win the game piece of the verdict. So let me just preface that with what I'll say here. If FSU can run the ball for 200 plus yards again, and they do not turn the ball over more than one time, 
or if they have a second one, I guess this, the exception being if they turn it over a second time, but the second one is an arm punt and it's just a 50 yard bomb and triple coverage and Florida picks it off, but then go three and out and they punt it right back. That doesn't count. If Florida, if FSU has more than one detrimental turnover in this game and run the ball for over 200 yards, Florida's percent chance to win is less than 1%. Florida is in serious trouble. So related to that, all right. That's going to impact the keys for both teams. Florida has to do what it can to stop the run. They cannot allow FSU to dictate the tempo and do what they want to do against their defense, which, as Dustin just mentioned, will not have its its quarterback. Well, they will not have the quarterback of the defense for half the game. And if they can stop FSU and get them off the field before they have completely exhausted our defense's energy tank, they will have a shot to win because then the defense can get rest. They can, you know, scheme a little bit better at halftime. They won't have a, well, they ran for 300 yards. How are we going to stop that? Just with one more player coming on the field sort of question to have to answer. And Anthony Richardson, I think will feel a little bit less pressure if he doesn't see the scoreboard starting to mount against him. So Florida is going to stop the run and FSU has to run the ball. Those are my keys for both teams. And of course, a secondary key would be Florida also has to run the ball. Dustin's padlock stat has not failed this year. So I will throw that in there as a secondary key as well. So percent chance we think Florida has to win the game. TJ, you can just give it as, you know, from your FSU perspective, but what percent chance do you think FSU has to win this game? Um, Yeah, I, I think it's something like 75%. For Florida State to win this, I, I think if this game is played four times, Florida State like it's it's not getting split, right? I think Florida State, you know, both both teams win one, and then Florida State takes two more, right? So I, I don't, you know, it's not really close to a, a 50-50 thing to me at all. I think that that's probably the easiest one I can come up with, but I, you know, I think anywhere, you know, I, you might say anywhere from sixty-six to seventy-five, right? So if it got played. Three times, I'd probably take the Knolls twice. I think being at home is really helpful. I, I think overall, Florida State's just played better this year. I think they've played more consistently. Um, you know, Florida has struggled to to beat bad teams at times. I mean, you know, you look at the Vandy game, you look at the USF game early, look at the Missouri game middle of the year. Florida State's gotten up for big games. I will give them that credit. And so I do expect them to get up. I expect them to play better than they did against Vandy. But I just don't – I think Florida State's been better this year. The game's in Tallahassee. Um, I think Florida State's a little bit more of a complete team. I like the, I like Florida State's defense more than I like Florida's defense. And so I think it's going to take something extraordinarily special um, for um, Florida to win. And it probably will be Anthony Richardson. And so, you know, what, what's, you know, how many, you know, what is your percent chance of, of AR going off and going God mode, right? You know, 40, I'm sorry, 25% or so, you know, one out of every three, four games. So, yeah, I like the Knowles to win here, you know, 70, 75%, somewhere in there. Yeah, I am I mean, I guess, so the flip side of that, uh, I'd I give Florida slightly a little bit more of a higher chance, maybe a 33% chance, but, and, and that might be just, I'm accounting for, one, maybe I'm a homer, I don't know, but two, I, I do think Anthony Richardson is an X-factor, like you mentioned, and he, you know, I, I think he's trying to show out potentially to go to the NFL early. He, draft boards still have him very high. A lot of them still have him in the first round, some have him in the top 10. So I think if that's the case, then he's going to try to show out what could be his last game as a Gator. Because if that if he's going to the NFL, I don't think he's going to play 
uh, in the bowl game. Uh, but if, uh, if, you know, that's where I'm, I'm, I'm leaving it at 33% just because I think there's a chance he could go off. And if he does go off and our Florida defense makes some stops, get some turnovers, then you could see a result where Florida does win in Tallahassee. Yeah, TJ. So the ESPN FPI has Florida at about a 24% chance to win FSU being at 20 or at 76%. So I think you're pretty spot on. I was expecting somewhere along the lines of 85 or 80% for FSU. <laughs> so, so I respect that. As far as Florida, I'm giving them a 37% chance to win the game. Florida has been highly inconsistent and the, the outcome of games this year has been, um, uh, we've been, we've been pleasantly surprised at times and we've been incredibly disappointed at times. And I think this is going to be one of those weeks where Florida kind of outkicks their coverage, for lack of a better phrase. So I'm going to give them a 37% chance to win. Okay. I respect that. I'm going to – yeah, I, I was with you, Dustin. I was expecting TJ to be a little higher. So I'm going to be the – I'm going to be the one that gives Florida the, the smallest percent chance to win. Uh, I will say, as I said before, as I – alluded to in the running game. If, if Florida surrenders 200 plus yards and FSU controls the ball and doesn't turn it over that the win percentage for me for Florida dips down below 1%. However, if you were to also tell me, or if you were to instead tell me that Anthony Richardson will have one of his God mode type of games, the Florida win percentage goes all the way up above 50. If you were to tell me AR has the game of his life, I say it's probably 55-45 in favor of Florida, but those games do not happen that frequently. I would say he might be due for one because he, he he was fine against South Carolina. He wasn't great. That was the offensive line doing its job and the defense being spectacular. And he wasn't great against Vanderbilt. Yeah, he threw for 400 yards, but he missed a bunch of reads. He could have pulled the ball and just – toyed with the entire Vanderbilt defense like he did against LSU on that 81-yard run. So he hasn't had one for a while, which makes me think he might be due for one. But without having either piece of information, so I don't know that FSU is going to run for 200-plus yards and not turn it over, and I also don't know that AR will go God mode. So with neither of those pieces of information at hand, I will say 15% for Florida, 85-15 for FSU, because I am I am terrified of what's going to happen when FSU lines it up and they just run the ball right at our linebackers. And we don't have the best player in that linebacker room, arguably the best player on our defense. In fact, I don't think that's even an argument. I think he's, he's certainly the most important. He's probably the best player on our defense. And without him being there as the glue that, you know, whites out a lot of other issues. Florida's run game, I'm fearing, is going to get exposed. And I think that it's far more likely that FSU will have that 200-plus yard game and no turnovers than it is that AR goes, you know, Madden mode. So I I think it's possible. It's a rivalry game. It's not like a, you know, Bethune-Cookman type of situation for FSU. It's, it's a respectable yeah. opponent that recruits – top caliber athletes. So anything is possible, but I think it's significantly more likely that FSU wins this game than Florida does. So score predictions guys, uh, TJ, you first, what have you got? Man, I don't know. Somebody asked me this earlier today and I still, I said, let me think about it. And then I never texted him back. So you actually just reminded me to be a better human being, but, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I think I do think it's somewhat high scoring. Uh, something like, and this is a. Um, I've got time to change this because we don't do ours until Wednesday, so um, I'm allowed to change this up until Wednesday. Uh, I'd like something like 37 to 21. Uh, Florida State wins. Uh, I think it'll be close-ish in the first half. I think Florida State may go to the the locker room with a like a ten point lead, maybe score right before half to to go up ten, and then um, you know end up scoring late to 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 pull ahead and and end up uh, winning by whatever that was sixteen seventeen something like that. Yeah, I think uh, I think this is a game where Florida finds a way to stay in it for the majority of it, but I think Florida State will will pull away at the end, and I think the final score will be Florida State 37, uh, Florida 27. Well, Chris, I'm actually going to pick Florida to win the game. Oof. Now, while Old. I still think while I still think that FSU has a more likely chance to pull off the victory, there are possible outcomes where Florida wins and there's four of us here and I think if this game is played four times I think one of those four times Florida comes out with the dub so I'm going to be that one because I'm pretty sure I know what Neil's going to pick so I'm going to go Florida 31 FSU 27 and I think Anthony Richardson has the game of his life runs for over 100 yards and I think he is going pro, unfortunately, and regretfully. And I think he's going to cement that because of his performance in this game. Okay. So we do have someone that picks Florida. Interesting. Um, I think this game plays out a little bit like the Florida-Georgia game did. I don't think it gets quite as ridiculous as that game got. I don't think it's going to be like, like a, a four-score lead for FSU. But I do see a situation where FSU – gets a nice lead in the second or third quarter, like in, in that middle eight we talk about. Uh, Florida's just horrible at that in the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. So I imagine FSU will use that to their advantage. And I think midway through the third quarter, we're looking at maybe a, a 28-10 or a, a 24-7 to type of score, something like that. I think Florida will rally. I think Ventrell Miller coming back will help. I think AR – whether he's consciously thinking about this or not, he will use his final moments in, in a Gator uniform to go off and he will have a, a great uh, last quarter and a half in the orange and blue. But I think it'll be too little too late. And I think FSU will win 35 to 24. All right. So, so I'll, I'll say, I'll say FSU goes up 21, three at some point. And I think Florida battles back to make it a one-score game, but they're too far behind with not enough time left, and FSU wins 35-24. So hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully TJ's wrong. Hopefully Chris is wrong. Hopefully Dustin is the one that gets to laugh at all of us for not having, or at least Chris and I, for not having any faith, and we get to throw the trolls back at TJ after three years of or four years of having them, three games of having them. Uh, TJ, I imagine it's it's been quite an enjoyable year for you after FSU has lost six-plus games five seasons in a row. I don't even know how that's possible in the ACC, but, I mean, you've definitely enjoyed a season unlike one you've had. 
on the previous years. So I imagine that's been fun for you to talk about and to cover. And speaking of that, Gator fans may not be as familiar with you. So where can Florida fans listen to the rival's perspective from you? Yeah, so I put everything on YouTube now. So if you go to YouTube.com and you just search Double Fries No Slaw, we're big Guthrie's fans around here. Um, you find all kind of Florida State content. Um, previewing the game heavy this week. Obviously, just threw up a video talking about the Brock Glenn commitment. Um, so I don't know how much there is that Florida fans will really care about until we really get into the game preview coverage. But if you just liked the uh, liked the pod tonight, you can go follow and subscribe, and it all helps rise the rise the numbers. So you can go there and search for Double Fries No Slaw. All right. Well, I will I will definitely do that when I'm in, in need of the rival's perspective. It's been a lot of fun, man. It's been a great pod. I really appreciate you coming on and talking with us about the Gators and the Knolls this Friday night, 7.30 p.m. under the lights, Doe Campbell Stadium in Tallahassee on ABC. TJ, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, go Gators. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, TJ. Take Thanks. care. Thanks, Thanks TJ. Appreciate it. Yes, sir.